Hey, welcome to Cowboy Junction. Glad you're here today. We're in a series where we're talking about this incredible little question. I just want to be happy, this statement. I, uh, I don't know. Let me ask you a question. What makes you happy? Well, that's a good question. What makes you happy? I, I think it's something worth thinking about because everybody wants to be happy. In fact, can I tell you that when I counsel people, one of the things that I hear the most is, Pastor, I just want to be happy. And I turn to them and I say, well, what makes you happy? And they say, well, moving to Alaska would make me happy. <laughs> Having a place in the middle of nowhere on an island would make me happy. Having a bunch of money, that would make me happy. Heard them say, if I could only get married, I'd be happy. And all the married people said, yeah, they're laughing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't, if, we, if we only had kids, we'd be happy. And all the parents said, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to pastor a church. No, you don't. No, you don't. Because then you have to counsel all the unhappy people. But if I, it's a good question. What makes you happy? You have a list, and I have a list. Now, if you're here and you're thinking, oh, this is dumb. What are we talking about this for? I'm happy. Everybody, everybody's not happy. They should be happy. I just had to learn how to be happy. But are you happy? Because here's one of the things that I always find people associate with their happiness. Are you ready? Their relationship with God. And if people aren't happy... They usually think they've done something wrong or God's mad at them. And so can you see that this is a really important statement that I hear a lot because people literally drift away from God, church, and God's people because they can't ever be happy. So the last several, for the next several weeks, we are going to sit down and we're going to talk we're going to talk about all the things that Jesus refers to in happiness. Now, you may be a Bible scholar in the room. You're like, I don't know if Jesus said much about being happy. You're right. But he did have a lot to say about fullness. Have you ever just been full of joy and purpose and a plan or food? Have you ever been full of food and you were just happy? And fullness is exactly what Jesus says he is. Fullness. Jesus also addresses the issue of joy. And so all throughout the Bible, there's different words that Jesus used. But for all of us to have a common denominator for the next several weeks, happiness is going to be our word of choice. Now, for all my friends that are here that don't know Jesus, you're like, you're, you're really trying to figure out what this Christian thing is all about. Maybe you're here today and, and uh, we've got a relationship or maybe you've got a relationship with somebody that goes to this church and you just got invited here because they heard you say one time, I just want to be happy. And they invited you because we're doing this series called I Just Want to Be Happy. Well, I want you to hold on because I bet you've had a lot of people in your life turn to you and say, well, this will make you happy. This makes me happy. Do this. It'll make you happy. Smoke this. It'll make you happy. It'll make you really happy. Do, and, and, and I bet you've got a whole list of all the happy remedies out there. But I bet you haven't heard what Jesus said is where real happiness can be found. Now, you were created in the image of God. This is something that we believe. So there's something in this that you've just got to know. 
we're actually tapping into a way that God made you, formed you and shaped you. Not something this world has in, in common with you, who you were made to be. And so this is an important part, known not only about your happiness, but about your DNA as well. Your Christian, God-following, who you are in our Father DNA. And so this statement, what makes you happy, question, I think we can address, start talking about that. Let me ask you this. Whoa. Was there a time when you were the happiest? Was there a time when you just felt so much happiness? Now, these questions, I got to be honest. I am not asking you for the first time. This summer, we just got through with Camp Crossfire. It was one of the best camps we'd ever had. Took all of our youth to the mountains. We had a great time. And tonight's, this morning's message is a message I actually preach to all of our teenage kids. And the reason why is because today I'm going to cover a few things. But in these few things, I think how I started talking to our teenagers is something you guys need to uh, be a part of the conversation as well. In fact, I turned to the teenagers and I said, what I'm about to say to you, inside this envelope is what brings you happiness. So here's the answer to your questions. You're like, what makes me happy? It's in this envelope, okay? Are you ready to see what truly is going to make you happy? Are you ready? Fabian's ready. What do you think it is? Here you go, ladies and gentlemen. What's truly gonna make you happy? Yeah, and maybe that disappointed you a little bit. Maybe you're like, well, this is great. Um, what did I come to church for? No, no, no. Let me be a little bit more specific. When I turned to the teenagers, they were bummed. They were keeping notes and they just all quit keeping notes at one point. When I turned to them, I said, you know what makes you happy? Nothing. Nothing is ever going to make you happy. But this wasn't entirely true. The reality is it's not just nothing. It's more like no thing is ever going to make you happy. And if you think about it, don't teenagers need to hear that? No thing is ever going to make you happy. And this is where sometimes we think we're gonna find our happiness, with another thing. Things are not going to bring the happiness you think they are. Now today, I'm gonna to teach to you about something that Jesus says is gonna bring happiness, but we're gonna find a common denominator on this one idea that if I could just get that, then I'll be happy. If I could just own that, if I could just get that. But can I just tell you, the question I asked you a minute ago about what, what makes you happy, okay? I have found this to be true. Happiness is more about a who than a what. And so when I turn to you and I say that no thing is going to make you happy, what I'm saying is, is that the what you're looking for actually could be a who that's in your life or could be in your life. Now, if you're like me, you would be the kind of person that could lean towards the side of, no, 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 I found myself to be truly happy being alone. 
Heather and I went to Ojo Caliente this weekend. Don't hold it against us, okay? Uh, it's a mud bath, spa, water kind of thing. It was spontaneous. We decided to go. I'm sure a lot of you are sitting here going, well, that's what's wrong with our pastor. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. No, 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 you don't know it. Heather and I were just looking for a date time, and I like to see her in a bathing suit. So we went to this hot minute. We had a great time. It was great. But can I tell you what was the most fun for us this weekend? Not having you there. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. I want you to know that when I was rubbing mud on my body and I was in the soda bath and I was in all these places, I was not thinking about you at all. And my phone was completely off. So is alone, is alone a bad thing? Absolutely not. But when lo alone becomes your life, you've missed some of the greatest happiness that God has for your life. In fact, can I just tell you, while we're at Ojo Caliente, doing our Ojo little thing, we met people. I shook all kinds of hands. I met all kinds of folks. Heather was embarrassed. She was just like, can't we just get away? No, I like meeting people. People fascinate me. And in my life, I have found that truly getting to know people's story and people's life has brought me so much happiness. But when you think that the thing or the what is the very thing that brings you happiness, Jesus says something different. In fact, one of the things that I have found as a pastor is when people are on their deathbed, they call their pastor. I have had the privilege of being with, I don't know how many people in the last few weeks of their life. It is humbling. It is eye-opening. But I have learned so much about what your last few weeks are going to be like on this earth. By being with people who I got to be with in their last few weeks on this earth. And can I tell you that as a pastor for 24 years, almost 25 in August, I have never had one person with just days to live ever turn to me and say, Pastor, could you go to my garage and get my motorcycle and bring it, bring it, bring it in the living room. Let me be with it one more time, God. It's pastor, God, no, pastor. <laughs> Messed up there. Let's edit that one real quick. <coughs> Never once have I asked, has someone asked me. Never once has anybody ever turned to me and said, go in my bedroom, open the gun case, get my shotgun. Just lay it on my chest one last time so I can hold it. Never once have I had anybody turn to me and say, pastor, could you hand me the remote controls? <laughs> in my 25 years of pastoring, I have only had people turn to me and say, do you think you could call my daughter and see if she'll come be with me? We haven't talked in years. Do you think you can call my ex-wife and see if she'll come be with me? There's some things I need to say before I go. It's vice versa on all those as well. And I have found in your last days on this earth, it's not your things you're thinking about. It's not your what that's making you happy. It's the who's that you realize were the real things in life. And some people have regrets, but other people have great joys. 
as the people who love them are surrounding them in the living room and in the hospital bed. They're coming in in shifts and waves as 12 people come in, 12 people come out, especially with a Hispanic family. Now that's a trip. There's like 50 people just in the lobby area and there's another 150 in the parking lot. And, and there is a Who-fest of Whoville people all in this, this beautiful moment to where Who's bring some of the greatest happiness. Happiness is more about who than a what. But here's what I found about people who wrap their happiness around their what's. A happy what tends to always lead to a happy what else. Just the thing that you think is going to bring you happy is actually the thing that in time you're just going to want something else. In fact, how are you happy with your phone right now? There was a time that you were so happy with that new model of phone. But then the next model came out. And the interesting thing is that when we wrap our happiness around what's and things, we're going to find no thing is ever going to make us happy. But whose? I hope to convince you and I hope to kind of shine a light that Jesus is turning to you and saying your greatest joys is when you look at the who's that I have put in your life. Now, I'm going to take a curveball here. I'm going to take the who and set it aside. And I want to point out something, something I've noticed about happy people. Happy people have peace. Happy people have just this peace in life. They, they truly can be in any situation any moment, and they have this peace. And we recognize the peace, and we know that's a happy person. This is a horrible situation, but their happiness is coming out because there's a peace inside of them. Let me, let me show you this real quick. I've noticed that happy people have peace with themselves. Happy people have peace with others. And happy people have peace with God. It's just kind of my observation. Something I'd throw in there. Jesus begins to point and show us how important it is for us to recognize that this is the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord God with all your heart and love people. Love them big time. Maybe you've been to Cowboy Junction for a little bit and you know that we close every service with we love God, we love people, and there's no limits. It's just the faith factor of loving God and loving people. And we found this joy in it. We really do. We have this joy, an amazing joy in loving people and loving our God. And Jesus teaches this. He says in Matthew, Matthew, he says, teacher, they asked him, what's the greatest commandment in the law? They thought they were going to stump him. You know this as well as I do. If you've been going to church long, you know this. We have to be reminded, but for all the folks in the room, that this is new to you, this Jesus following life, you can narrow it down to two the, 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 the most important things to God is this. And Jesus answered and said, the greatest commandments, love the Lord God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the key most important thing. And don't you think that God is a major who? A major who. And when you love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, you are not going to regret it. You are actually going to be a happier person. 
And the thing is about the throne of our heart, if we put anything else in the number one spot, it is going to bring unhappiness. It will never satisfy. It will only be there for temporary. And maybe you've got somebody in your life who's been telling you this and telling you this and telling you this. But do you realize it's not your friends and it's not your pastors who are telling you this? God keeps putting people in your life to remind you. If you really want to know happiness, I'm here. And he is a major who. And when you love him with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, isn't that a big one? Isn't that where the kind of the trouble is? And we always try to want to serve God and things. And at some point, you've got to get your mind born again. And you have to just, I, I have my father in heaven. And that's really all I need. Now, now the funny thing is, is that God loves other stuff too. Jesus was, you know, hung out with a bunch of fishermen. So Jesus loves fishing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jesus, Jesus loves work because he hired a bunch of carpenters, or he was a carpenter. And, 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 and I think you can love your work. But this is a major moment to where if we get this one thing, major who? It is going to bring so much happiness in your life. But then he says this. He didn't stop. He says, not just loving your God, but the, the first and the greatest commandment. But the second is like it. To love your neighbor. Say it together. To love your neighbor. Let's try it again. To love your neighbor. Mm. Your neighbor on the right? I guess my right, on the right? Oh, no, no. Or my neighbor on the left. I'm saying your neighbor. When we value people, we value what God values. So much so that he sent his son so that the world could be saved. And Jesus relates the first commandment to the second commandment, to love your neighbor as yourself. This is where happiness, one of them, is found. And one of the reasons that we are so unhappy is because people make us unhappy. But what if I turned to you and said, if we get the first who right, which is God, it'll help us love the second who's that are in our life. Because he will show you how. But let me show you something. Because we're talking about who's, but we just shifted to peace. There's this peace. But let me tell you what undermines your peace and your happiness. Are you ready? It's a one word. For those who are in the room, that you would go, I knew you'd do this. And you knew I would. So you won't be shocked. But it's definitely something worth talking about. But this is the thing that undermines everything. Are you ready? Sin. Uh, let me give you an example. How many people have done the wrong thing in your life and it severed y'all's relationship? Have you ever done anything in life that would be considered a sin and it severed relationships? And can I turn to you and tell you that the number one key ingredient that separates, because that's what sin does. Sin separates. Sin causes the biggest rifts in relationships. Sin causes peace to exit the room and turmoil to enter the room. Isn't it interesting that you will never be happier than the most miserable person in the room? Okay? 
And the part of that is, at some point, someone is just choosing to stay in sin. And it affects everybody, whether it's unforgiveness, whether it's bitterness, whether it's gossip. Sin separates. And here's what it separates us from. It separates us from God. So how can we ever be happy if sin keeps separating us from God? And so here we're talking about the who's. Who's matter. And the number one who in your life is your relationship with God. But sin separates you from God. Sin also separates you from others. Sin will divide and conquer. Sin will pull some this way and some this way. It'll destroy marriages. Sin will destroy relationships. Sin will destroy. And if I've turned to you and said, okay, you, you've got to love who's. And some of you said, okay, here we go, checklist. Today I'm gonna work all week on loving who's. But if we don't deal with the sin issue, We'll never know how to love people because we've been separated from God. And we'll never know, love, be able to love others because it will always separate us from people. But can I show you something real quick? Sin will also separate you from yourself, the real you, the you that God created. You'll believe a lie. You'll believe a false. You'll go down the wrong path. Sin will cost you more than you wanted to pay and keep you longer than you wanted to stay. And sin is the number one ingredient to you not having happiness with God, with people, and with yourself. Yeah. In fact, it's not me who came up with this, okay? This is the whole reason Jesus came. And, and if you ever wanted to know a really cool person in the Bible that you could probably really relate to. It was the half-brother of Jesus, James. I mean, seriously, if you told your brother that you were the son of God, would that make you just go, oh yeah, that's awesome, or would you hate him even more? <laughs> and here's James who follows Jesus, and it's, he's his savior. And it only happened after the resurrection. And what does the half-brother of Jesus have to say about sin? He says this. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full-grown, gives birth to death. Listen, this little thing that you play with, this little thing that people turn to you and go, oh, don't worry about it. Everybody does it. You gotta call a timeout real quick. And yes, you will find people in your life who will link up with you on just about anything. But do you know that there is people that God is trying to put in your life that he is putting there to bring out the best in your life, the best in your marriage, the best in your kids, the best in how to live, how to be a man, how to be a woman, how to be a Lee County citizen, how to be a West Texas citizen. <laughs> but we keep losing those relationships. And could it be, I just want to throw this out there, mostly from speaking from experience, could it be your stubbornness? 
your arrogance. No one's going to change me. This is just who I am. And can I shine a light on one possibility why you're so unhappy? Because you've let the wrong people in. And the right people have fled. But it wasn't because they were bad. And it's not because you're bad. It's because sin separates you from God, you from people, and the real you, too. See, if we're going to talk about happiness, this is going to be a hard conversation for such a happy thing. But can I turn to you and give you some hope and say that there is hope for your happiness. But we've got to address when we opt for sin, we undermine our happiness. I promise. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's something you've got to start thinking about. When you opt for sin, you, we undermine our happiness. We choose something else other than God's best and it will separate us from God, from our friends, our, the others, the who's, and from ourselves. When we opt for sin, we undermine the happiness of those closest to us as well. So you may think, it's just it's about me, it's not about you guys. No, it does affect everybody else. Dads, it does affect your kids. Moms, it does affect your family. Kids, you will find that mom will never be happier than the most unhappiest kid in the family. That's funny right there. I don't care who you are. That's funny. And this unhappiness can have a lot to do with the undermining that we're causing the people around us as well. Let me ask you a question real quick, okay? For those who are in this room, you can't tell me how to live. Hey, just stop. Has sin, has it made your life better or worse? Well, see, this is a tough one because you really want to go, I'm happy. I'm happy. It's you Christians that keep bringing this up. (laughs) I can tell in your tone of voice, you're really happy. And I've had these conversations Can I tell you that the same people that were just telling me, just get out, stay out, it's none of your business, I don't need you in my life, I'm happy, are the same people that 20 years later come and they say, hey, can we have lunch? And they go, it didn't turn out the way I thought it was going to turn out. I'm miserable. I am miserable. And never once have I turned and said, ha, I told you. Never once. I have always sat there and said, I've never quit praying that we could have the conversation I wanted to have with you 20 years ago. But can I turn to you? You haven't lost 20 years. It can start today and the next 20 can be the happiest days of your life if we can address the things that God wanted to talk to you about 20 years ago. Has sin, I'll go back. Has sin made your life better? 
or worse? And I think you really ought to ask that. Another question. Has sin contributed to your relationships or has it undermined them? Come on, let's think about this. I bet for some of us you've never had this kind of conversation ever in your life. In fact, you may have to go back and re-listen to this message because these things have never been talked about in your family before. We've always swept stuff underneath the table. We've always just kind of swept it outside. We don't talk about things. I actually talked to somebody the other day who turned to me and said, it's just better if we all ignore it. And where has that ever brought happiness? No, I'm perfectly happy. Just forget about it. Just, just sweep it away. No, no, no. I'm talking about peace. Has us sweeping things under the table with our sin contributing to the poor relationships and the, and the, 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 the undermining of relationships, moms and dads and kids and daughters and grandparents who don't speak anymore, friends who don't have anything to do with each other anymore, has all of this caused us to go, man, there's a life well lived? Or are we the people that just build callous, have no feelings whatsoever, and look to things to bring us happiness? And I think God has a better purpose for our life than that. So can I turn to you and say, everything I preached on today was me. And I still battle it too. In all kinds of forms and shapes. Can I tell you that as a tie bean, I am real quick about blaming people for my attitude. Like, you really want me to say I was wrong? And can I tell you that one of the coolest things that God has done by following him is turn to me and say, Tybean, you've got to start with you before you can expect anything out of people. I have learned how to ask for forgiveness before expecting forgiveness. I have learned not only to go to my God and say, Father, would you please forgive me for that stupid thing I did before I'll ever turn to somebody and say, you caused me to do that stupid thing. I have also had to learn, and this is the big pill swallow, you ready? I've had to learn how to go to people and ask for forgiveness. And do you realize that pride, the sin of pride, will never be able to build relationships in our life if we can't swallow it and walk up to somebody and say, I am truly sorry. Without saying, but you made me do it, and you did this, and you did this, and I wouldn't have done it if you hadn't have done this. Have you ever truly given an apology because you knew it was what God wanted you to do and it was the good thing for the who's in your life? And can I tell you, in every one of the situations, it, it ate my stomach, it hurt me. I lost sleep at night, y'all. So you can't breathe. Now, Satan's talking to you, you don't have to do this. It's their fault, it's their fault. But God keeps speaking to your heart you know you need to do this. And you set up an appointment and you walk up to him and you go, I just want you to know I'm really, truly sorry for what I did. And then whatever happens, happens. And you get in the car and you drive off. And can I tell you one of the coolest things that takes place? Are you ready? It looks like this. 
And you know what you call that? Peace. Peace. So, what did we learn today? Number one, for everybody that thinks that something is going to make you happy, actually, no thing. Nothing. No thing is ever going to make you happy. But you'll find that the what's and the things aren't going to make you happy, but the who's. The who's are. The who's are these relationships we fight for. The who's are the people that God puts in our life to make us better people. We learn how to love. We learn how to live with the who's in our life. From there, we learn that there are things that can rob our peace, and it's sin. And sin separates. And maybe it's done a separation in your life, and God's ready to talk to you about it. But the same way that sin separates, God restores. And God turns to us and says, come to me. And I will not only forgive you, but I will show you how to forgive others as well. And this is the first lesson we learn in what real happiness is. In my family, we've seen some of the most impossible rifts be repaired. In our family, we have seen some of the hardest situations restored. And even in our family right now, there are things that we're really believing God to not quit doing. So our family is just as jacked up as your, your family. Now, I'm not the problem. They're the problem, okay? <laughs> but I just thought we'd take a minute. Let's just bow our heads. Everybody just bow your heads. What did you think about in the last few minutes? There's been relationships you've given up on. Maybe the first relationship you gave on is your relationship, you gave up on is your relationship with God. It's not fixable. God didn't want to have anything to do with me. Can I turn to you and say the absolute opposite is true? That God loves you so much that he sent his only son to die on the cross so that his blood could wash away your sins. And by the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, it gives us life and hope. And if you're in this room today and you would go, that's where I need to stop, start. I, I can't start thinking about the people and the people I'm mad at, who did what, when did they do it. I first have to get that one important who right. Jesus, I need you. You may want to just tell him right there in your seat, Jesus, I'm so sorry. Jesus, I'm so sorry. Will you be my Lord? Will you forgive me of my sins? I think you're going to find something amazing takes place. The more you ask him to come, the more his peace and happiness will fill your heart. Right now, right, right there where you sit. And maybe you're in this room right now and you would go, the who's, I never thought that the who's in my life would bring the happiness I'm looking for in life. 
But doesn't it make sense? Is there sin that's undermining some of the greatest relationships that God's put in your life? There's mentors that you're just bitter at. You're, just, you're mad at because of stubbornness and, and you're just, your pride. There's, there's, there's family members you're not even talking to. And maybe there's a whole, there's a whole reason. It's like, Ty, don't even get started. There's a whole reason why. Oh, come on. Your children feel the tension. And there's no happiness even in the people around you. What if right now you just asked, God, would you show me how to navigate this? Perhaps in your seat right now, you can just start forgiving them. And maybe you can just start asking for forgiveness. Father, we come to you and I just want to thank you. For some of us, we have never been in this kind of conversation ever in our life. We revealed some things, we opened some things up, and you met with us. This wasn't a meal that some of us prepared for today. This wasn't a meal spiritually that we thought we needed. But after, it just makes sense. Lord Jesus, I pray for every person in this room and their relationship with you. But Jesus, I pray now that they would begin to recognize there are people who need their ministry. There are people who need their giftings. There is relationships out there that we need to build with people because we need love. We need help. We need who's. So Father, open these doors of healthy relationships, strong relationships where there is peace and purpose. Help us navigate these waters. For the next several weeks, Father, I pray that you just keep pulling these things out on what it means to be happy. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're in the room and you were sitting there and you would go, I don't know Jesus. And, and, and if he's right, it makes perfect sense that it's like I'm at odds in this world. I'm at odds. It's like sin is just, it's just like poor choices is just a part of my life. Can I turn to you and tell you it could be because the main thing's not the main thing. And that main thing is the God who created you. So I, 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 I had you do something in your seat. I had you pray a prayer. But I think we probably need to pray together, you and me. The worship team's gonna sing one more song. And the whole church is gonna sing. And, and here's what we're gonna do. If you're in this place and like God's just knocking on the door of your heart and he's saying, kiddo, you have ran from me your whole life. Why don't you run to me today? It is time that you and I are on the same plan for your life. Would you ask me to be the Lord of your life? Would you ask me to show you the paths for your life? Would you ask me to forgive you of your past so we can start anew? And if you're in this room and you're like, that is what I need, I would like to pray with you. So here's what we're gonna do. The whole church is gonna stand up. Everybody stand up.
Everyone's going to sing this closing song. But if you're in this room and you have never accepted Christ as your Savior before, but that's what you know you need to do today. I want you to reach down. I want you to grab your stuff. Pick your stuff up, okay? Just grab your stuff right now. Turn to the person that you met or came with. Say, hey, if you'll just give me five minutes, I'm going to go meet Ty in the back, and I'm going to slip out this way, and you're going to grab your stuff and work out to the aisle, and you're going to shoot back to the back, and you're going to see the Jesus sign back there. And while everyone's singing, we're going to pray together. And you're not going to walk out the same way you walked in to this church. And peace will flood your heart as this number one relationship, you and God, is restored with one simple prayer. Don't play around. Grab your stuff. And if you're ready for this in your life, come on. Move out into the aisles and meet me by the Jesus sign. I'll see you back there.